It's really footy time with Daniel Andrews, and as always, I'm joined on the other line by Johnny Raff. How's it going, Johnny? Yeah, not bad, Dan. Um, ready to get stuck into the, well, we're really entering the last month of the season, so some of these games are going to take on a lot more meaning. Yeah, absolutely. So what's your doomsday scenario coming into the round here? Yes, so uh, the, yeah, I guess it's funny because I was looking at these in advance uh, from a few weeks ago and I would have thought Richmond, it would, they're not they're not really featuring in doomsdays as much now because they already had them. But um, <laughs> I was going to say the doomsday scenario would be the Dogs losing two in a row and this time against the Suns. Yeah, wow, that would be a big turn up. I feel like the Suns have kind of dominated your doomsday they scenarios. Have. <laughs> they have. It's, uh, they're pretty good at them. Yeah, they've been doing pretty well the last month or so. Yes. Getting you some uh, interesting takes. Yep, yep. <laughs> so you, you really think Bulldogs are vulnerable here? Um, well, look, I would have. I was actually thinking about saying Hawthorne, but I didn't want to be too, obviously, Melbourne-centric. I think just being at Metricon, look, it's a it, it that's if it is obviously I just I never know what to say with these with these grounds I'm sure it will be yeah but um yeah. I just feel especially in these times it almost makes the travel element that much more difficult so it's not going to be a routine game for the dogs I reckon they should get it done but uh, you never know alrighty so most at stake for me is Geelong so they've got to go across to WA for a bit of a tricky game against Freo. I think we mentioned this on the early the episode earlier in the week that this was going to be a tricky game for them. So really for the Cats, they're pushing to finish as high up in that top four as possible, obviously, and they just need to bank as many wins as they can. So this is a winnable game. Fremantle have been in better form of late, but yeah, they need to keep winning and this is another one they need to tick off. It's a bit of a statement game for the Dockers as well. I mean, if they can somehow get a win in this, they're very much in the picture for, for Final Eight. Absolutely. So that'll be an interesting game to see how it starts to shape the top eight there. All right, let's jump into true or false now. So the first one we've got is Geelong have have been the best team at developing their tam- talent and recruiting from other clubs in the last 10 years. True or false? Yeah, well, true. I mean, and I know it's a bit, it's a, it's an obvious one to an extent um, because they've just always been up there challenging. But um, some of the names, I mean, there's the obvious ones. For, they're very good with the drafting, obviously. Uh, Tom Stewart, sort of a homegrown talent. And, uh, you know, some of the others that have come through have been great. You know, your, your Guthrie's and your, your Duncan's from, they're getting on a bit now, but... Um, you know, all, all good players that have just sort of come in and made a difference. But it's the recycled players that really stand out. I mean, guys like Lockie Henderson, who they actually cut last year and got back. Uh, he was fantastic <laughs> on the weekend as well. Um, Managola, Isaac Smith's probably been one of the pickups of the year. Zach Tui, I mean, fantastic. And obviously Dangerfield. Um, yeah, Stephen Wells, he deserves a ton of credit. He could be bearing out at the end of this year, but he's been just tremendous. So I don't think any team's done it better than Geelong in the last 10 years. Yeah, I think it does help when you're a team like Geelong and 
you get there's a lot of players that actually want to go there but yeah i do, there aren't many i don't know if you can name one players that go to geelong and aren't at least as good as they were for their previous team or they're never worse put no, it that way no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so what about their recruiting though like i guess they haven't had you know the high end draft picks especially over the last 10 years but do you feel like they're still hitting the mark there. I think they do a really good job of um, of making making it work, sort of getting those I guess foot soldiers to do a job um, for them. Like it, it would be nice if they had the top end talent, but you know some of those draft picks they've had in recent years, like I think they drafted Tim Kelly in the twenties or something. Like they're just renowned for for getting these good finds and and bringing these guys in who really no one sort of looks at first. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the secret sauce is, but yeah. Like <laughs> uh, yeah. Just really good staff. They've been there, especially Stephen Wells, been there such a long time. Uh, yeah. Gen- generally, I mean, they probably whiff on a few picks as well, but uh, there's generally got yeah, I think everyone talent. does, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the only other team here that's really competing with Geelong during this time for this mantle is Sydney, just yeah. they're renowned for similar sorts of things, being able to bring in players, uh, the right players, and, you know, turn them into what they need them, blood's culture and all that. But uh, I think you probably would have to give Geelong the edge over the last um, 10 years. Yeah, look, similar thing with Sydney. Recycled players come in and usually become better there. Um, but, yeah, I, I would just give Geelong the edge on this year. All right, let's move to the next one. St Kilda's recent form shows that they severely underperformed in the first half of the season. True or false? Um, they definitely underperformed, but I don't know if it's the if it's the only reason. I think uh, they're playing some great footy at the moment. They've, they've definitely taken some good scalps, but um, I still feel like there's a few holes in this team. I still feel like they're lacking a little bit of polish in the middle. Um, It's set up forward to an extent, I guess, but um, I'm not sure. I just, I don't know if, I don't know if they're still quite good enough to be a final eight team, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, I guess their form has just been so up and down. They were losing so many games that they were expected to compete in in that first half of the season. They're getting smashed all the time, but... You know, they, they've found their pressure now and uh, the forward line is working a lot better. I guess it helps when Max King, Max King can kick straight. Uh, interestingly, they, they brought Luke Dunstan back, who was almost on the yeah. scrap heap for a fair while there. So he seems to be helping. Billings has hit a bit of form. So it's just clicking, I suppose. It just shows, I suppose, as well, like the margins between a team performing really well and just being completely nowhere near it. It's not as big as you might think. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, and uh, they were, they were struggling with injuries a lot too. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a tough one. I think they de- they were definitely better than what they what their form suggested earlier in the season. That's for sure. Uh, whether it was uh, enough severely underperforming. Yeah, severely. Yeah. I'm not too sure, but yeah. All right, so probably going false on yeah, there. Yeah, look a bit pointless. I guess yeah. <laughs> that was a pretty. Close one. But, but yeah, I guess, you know, St Kilda fans would be getting a lot of heart with what they've done in the last month. And 
yeah, they do have a tough run, but it'll be interesting to see what they can do pushing towards the end of the season, whether they are going to be uh, able to pinch that last spot in the eight. Yep, let's have to wait and see. All right. Sydney could easily bob up and make a prelim final in 2021. True or false? Yeah, look, true. Absolutely. I mean, first round of the finals, they'll like if they finish sixth, like we both predicted that they would, they'll probably take on a, oh, maybe a yeah, GWS or a West Coast. Uh, and it will be at home, most likely. Uh, well, wherever they decide that is sorry i have to yeah it's pretty hard to it's pretty hard to know what's going to happen with new south wales they're in the shit at the moment absolutely but um look say it is west coast on a neutral territory well last week there's some proof in the pudding there that they were able to get that done um so they get a good win in that first week and then they'll take on a loser from the top four obviously and that's probably an even money bet and we've seen it time and time again where the team from the bottom half of the eight gets a nice performance on, in one of those games and, and, and knocks them off. So, yeah, I think a prelim could easily be in the equation. All right, so going yeah. through here. And I guess their form against the top four teams as well would give you even more reason to think they could yes, actually do this. Definitely. I guess one thing with Sydney is like, do they have enough weapons to, you know, beat one of these top four teams when they're going at, you know, close to their 100% capacity? They're pretty vulnerable around clearance. I know, particularly in the last month, they're doing a lot of their good work off half back, and, uh, you know, they've got a lot of good ball users going inside 50. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether that sort of profile will would actually stand up in a big final. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, especially up forward, do they have the firepower necessary to kick the winning score against a an elite back line? Um, you know, do you look to Franklin now and say, kick us the winning score in a final? Like, it's kind of like he's still showing glimpses, but can you rely on him the way that you used to? I'm not so sure. Uh, you know, you got Heaney, who's, yeah, he can do what he what he does which is great but um looking at some of the guys who performed uh, last week uh, dawson hayward those they're, they're real solid players and they're real um yeah they, you know they have a good crack but i've just i haven't seen enough of them in these big games yet to know what to expect yeah and you never want to talk down a top four win but just really quickly i can actually pick some holes in the win so far. Yeah. So they, they got Brisbane in round one before they were up and going. And uh, that was a great win, but, you know, it's Brisbane's been much better than that for the majority of the season. They had the great win over Geelong at the SCG, where Geelong pretty much dominated all the stats and really should have won yeah. that game. So, you know, credit to Sydney to be winning these games, but um, I'm just not sure whether that form holds in a final series. And even the Bulldogs on the weekend missing one of their most important players with Norton and quite a few others out. So, yeah, if the if uh, Sydney were playing against any of those teams in the finals, maybe aside from Brisbane, I still think they would be pretty far the underdog, but 
Yeah, they de- they definitely be in there with a chance, but I don't necessarily think the fact that they've beaten these teams says that you know they're d- they're definitely going to do something in the finals. That might be- seem a little bit harsh, but yeah, that- that's sort of the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, they're a, they're a strange commodity. Um, you don't really know what to expect, but uh, yeah, we just won't know until I until I get that chance. They're definitely a great team to watch oh, when yeah. they're up and going, yeah. and. Uh, they're only going to get better. A lot of their good players are still very yeah. young. So watch out in uh, future years. Teams will be lining up to play Port Adelaide in the finals. True or false? <laughs> <laughs> oh, o- o- open season for Port Adelaide bashing. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I have to say true. Yeah. Um, unless... Unless it's a home final for Port, actually. Um, and even then, you'd still fancy your chances, but it's a pretty, it's a pretty intimidating atmosphere. I mean, even last week with Melbourne having the Never Terrace Apart thing, it, it, they've got some ravaged fans. Like, just <laughs> absolute... Uh, yeah. They're, they're some of the more interesting fans in the country, I think. But, um, a lot of those fans. But... Uh, but they're diehards, and um, it wouldn't make it an easy place to go. But uh, I don't know. I, I do think that counts for something. I think that seeing that that team is gettable, yeah, they've got a lot of talent in that team, and there's a lot of players that are, are, are likable, but um, they've also got a few injuries currently as well. They yeah, definitely do, and, yeah. uh, To some of their more dynamic players as well. Yeah, I, I think that they would be a much easier team to prepare for than some of these other teams i think up forward i think they'll be thinking about dixon and that's kind of about it really um unless they get some of the other guys back in time but um yeah i'm not so sure about that i I don't know i think not that you'd be lining up for a team but i think that a lot of teams would prefer to play for it definitely yeah i think they are gettable once you get on top of boke and wines in the midfield then uh you can sort of have your way there a bit if you can dial up the pressure. If you can handle Dixon, then the goals don't come as freely. And uh, yeah, I think going the other mm. way as well, like they're not the best uh, at, uh, you know, putting pressure on through the middle of the ground to actually limit those chances going back the other way. And, uh, you know, teams are scoring pretty heavily on them on turnover. So yeah, they're an interesting commodity so good against the bottom teams and then just keep getting exposed against a lot of the top eight teams. Yeah, and I think um, their back line is a little bit overrated um, in the most polite way possible. But uh, they they do a good job, but they are, look, to be fair, as you said, they not they don't benefit from a lot of uh, repeat entries that come back their way when, uh, when there's not as much pressure through the middle. But yeah, I just, I haven't, seen a performance from their back line yet that would suggest that they're going to be going all the way. I wouldn't call that a premiership back line. So how did they compare to last year then? Because, you know, they were top of the ladder last year, got all the way through to the prelim, very close game with Richmond, obviously. Mm. Have they have they gone backwards? Really good question. Really good question. Um... I don't know if they've gone backwards. I think they've definitely plateaued, though. I think they've, uh, they're have they not sort of going anywhere new. 
really. I mean, they're a great side to watch sometimes when they're up and running. They'll get the odd win that's really nice, like Sydney a few weeks ago. Um, but there's not much more than that. There's a lot of sizzle. There's not a lot of steak. Uh, you'll get your guys... Some of these guys just drive me nuts. You'll get a guy like Motlop play a blinder once every four games, maybe. Five, if that. And you'll get teased, and you think, Jesus, this is a real scintillating team to watch. You know, it's great. Um, but, yeah. That was one of the things that struck me when I was watching Melbourne. Like, the way they were getting some of their goals, there was no system to it. But it was just like, wow, they can do that? Like, uh, Eamon, like, going around and snapping on yeah. the left. Wines bustling out of the pack. Mm-hmm. Rosie fighting on the ground, doing this sort of check the side. The McKinsey outside 50 when they got the quick handball. Like, yeah. They were kicking some great goals, but that's what it yeah. took. They didn't really have a lot of system. That's what it looked like in that game. No, it seemed like they the only way they could score against us was with the miraculous goal. And um, and it's it's great. It's great that they've got players that are capable of that. But yeah, I just don't. I don't think that holds up in the in the pointy end of the season. Um, and uh, yeah, I just. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it, you're not going to get that. Yeah, you're not going to get that kind of time and space, to be honest, as well. I mean, the the McKenzie one in mind that I had, we were literally just suffocating them. There was no lanes to kick into. That at that point, they they was no space at all. They were even just kicking it so far wide, it was like right on the chalk in the in the forward fifty. <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. And to their credit, they went, oh yeah, like quick play on to McKenzie, shot outside fifty. It was like it was like the old days of, of beating the flood. <laughs> it was um, uh, yeah, yep, just, yep. um, getting like a designated kicker outside fifty. <laughs> but yeah, look, they've got a lot of talent. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but they just don't seem to have that. Uh, I don't know what it is. They're just, there's just something missing. There's something missing. They're an interesting commodity. So good against the bottom teams, and then just keep getting exposed against a lot of the top eight teams. So how did they compare to last year then? Because, you know, they were top of the ladder last year, got all the way through to the prelim, very close game with Richmond, obviously. Have they have they gone backwards? Really good question. Really good question. Um, I don't know if they've gone backwards. I think they've definitely plateaued, though. I think they've, uh, they're not sort of going anywhere new. Really, I mean, they're a great side to watch sometimes when they're up and running. They'll get the odd win that's really nice, like Sydney a few weeks ago. Um, but there's not much more than that. There's a lot of sizzle. There's not a lot of steak. Uh, you'll get your guys... Some of these guys just drive me nuts. You'll get a guy like Motlop play a blinder once every four games, maybe. Five, if that. And you'll get teased, and you think, "Jesus, this is a real scintillating team to watch." You know, it's great. Um, but yeah, that was one of the things that struck me when I was watching Melbourne. Like the way they were getting some of their goals, there was no system to it. But it was just like, "Wow, they can do that!" Like uh, Eamon, like going around and snapping yeah. on the left, wines bustling out of the pack. Yeah. Rosie fighting on the ground, doing this sort of check yeah, McKinsey side. McKinsey outside fifty when they got the quick handball. Like, yeah. They were kicking some great goals, but that's what yeah. it took. They didn't really have a lot of system. That's what it looked like in that game. No, it seemed like they the only way they could score against us was with the miraculous goal. And um, 
and, and it's it's great. It's great that they've got players that are capable of that. But yeah, I, I just don't. I don't think that holds up in the in the pointy end of the season. Um, and uh, yeah, I just yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it, you're not going to get that. Yeah, you're not going to get that kind of time and space to be honest as well. I mean, the the McKenzie one in mind that I had, we were literally just suffocating them. There was no lanes to kick into. That at that point, they they was no space at all. They were even just kicking it so far wide. It was like right on the chalk in the in the forward fifty. It was, <laughs> it was ridiculous. And to their credit, they went, oh yeah, like quick play on to McKenzie, shot outside fifty. It was like it was like the old days of of beating the flood. <laughs> it was um, yeah, uh, just yeah, um, yeah. getting like a designated kicker at top fifty. <laughs> but yeah, look, they've got a lot of talent. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but they just don't seem to have that. Uh, I don't know what it is. That just there's just something missing. There's something missing. I feel like the pressure is a big thing when you can put enough pressure on Port and when you can match them through the midfield, then. It just doesn't seem to be that difficult no. to get on top of them for whatever reason. If you can, if you can do that, then you're sort of probably more than halfway Pretty to beating much. them. It'd be, it'd be interesting to talk to some port supporters to get a bit more insight into this because uh, they are a bit of an enigma. They're definitely an enigma, and uh, I would like to hear from them too. Because, um, yeah, I'm. Sh- I don't think so, some of them aren't too fond of Ken Hinckley. I know yeah. that being from <laughs> being from Melbourne and everything. Yeah, of course. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, also something with Port, they, they a lot of players they get they're very talented and skillful, but they're quite often susceptible to injury. They're not the most mm, they don't yeah. tend to go for durability and strong bodies. Yeah, um, which is yeah, it's it's funny. It, it, I guess this comes back to the you know the recruiting and that, but uh, and development. But yeah, it's it's just funny how a certain team gets in a trend like that. All right, last one for today. The Bulldogs winning the flag from seventh in 2016 was the most unlikely flag win in the AFL era. So this is from 1990 onwards. True or false? Oh, yeah. This is absolutely true. There's there's nothing that comes close to this, in my opinion. And I don't know if we'll ever really see anything quite like it again. I mean, I'd love to see something like that again, but I, yeah, I think we'll be very hard pressed to find that again. Um, you just you start with the injury lists of the Bulldogs that season. Um, I'm, I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but it was pretty bad at one point. I'm I'm, tr- I'm trying to see if I can. Get a bit of info on it. Do you remember the guys they had out then? I remember Mitch Wallace was one of them. He had that really bad leg break uh, at um, Marvel. Uh, then, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember specifics, but I remember going into the round 23 game. They had quite a few out that day, and they got absolutely smashed by yes. Frio the week before the finals. And, uh, yeah, I guess people were starting to write them off a little bit. But I think... That was I'm pretty sure that was the first year where they introduced the buy before yep. the finals. So that actually allowed them to bring I think four or five guys back in for that first yes. final. I think Bond and Pelly might have even been one of I them. I think Bond was one so, of them. So uh, uh, yeah, and yes, but that first final was against West Coast over at Subiaco back then. 
And geez, they just started with a oh, they started with some real fire in that game. It was a, a very good performance. Um, and I think I think Dalhouse was best on ground. Uh, Dalhouse had a great final series as well. Um, yeah, I guess one thing with the Bulldog side as well was they just really didn't have a recognised forward no. line like at all. No, they didn't. <laughs> so they were, they were really scrounging for goals. They didn't really have a key forward. They had Dixon, I know, who was a renowned Troy Dixon. Dixon, who was a renowned goal kicker, but you know he's not overly tall. Um, <clears throat> they yeah, they just had these sort of bit part players playing forward, but they just managed to keep pushing the ball forward and finding these little pockets of space and yeah they got the job done Liam, Liam Picken was instrumental was amazing in that final series um and <laughs> there's a lot of great stories out of this one Clay Smith in that final series I mean it was a, just an unlikely goal kicker um it was fantastic uh but yeah just some of these wins um going to that semi-final Hawthorne I mean four in a row they'd uh, who did Hawthorne play in the first week um they got beaten by Geelong. Correct. Of course. Well, Isaac Smith. I'm sorry. Uh, that that was a pivotal game, that one, the Hawks and Bulldogs one. I remember watching that night thinking, whoa, there's a, there's a real seismic shift happening in the AFL tonight. Like, uh, it's... Yeah, yeah, because Cawthorn obviously were coming off their yeah. three-peat and uh, starting to look a little bit more vulnerable, but everyone expected them to win that game, I think, and Bulldogs just said... Nope, no. not this time, and just really overran them in that second half. Every now and then, this happens, and it happens a lot in the in the during the season as well. I find, but um, this was probably a case of it happening in the um, in the finals. Uh, there's always, I love these moments where where like two teams meet, where it's almost the exact moment where one's on the down and one's on the up. Um, and at this point, the Bulldogs were on the up. I mean, what's happened since then, it's been a bit unpredictable. No one probably could have seen what would have happened. Winning the flag, missing the finals a few times, making it again, and now being where they are again. But um, they were genuinely a team on the up. I think it was Beveridge's second season. And Hawthorne, uh, yeah, they were... I guess it was one of their last times going to the well. And, uh, yeah, that was the start of, I think, Lewis and Mitchell left after that season. But uh, that was a big win, absolutely. And uh, the following week against GWS, it only oh, gets bigger. Yeah, one of the great, <laughs> one of the greatest prelim finals of all time, I think. Uh, a lot. Jeez, I don't think there was anyone. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there was any non-GWS fan not barracking for the Bulldogs, was there? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, with the history of Bulldogs in prelim finals and. Uh, I guess the one that comes to mind is the one against yep. Adelaide where they were up by, I can't remember exactly, somewhere around four goals, goals going into the last yeah. quarter. Yeah, and uh, Liberatore had that one. Uh, Tony Liberatore, that would yeah. be, had the one that he thought was a goal and the umpire called it a point and that would have, you know, stretched the lead out a little bit further and then Adelaide just sort of ran over the top yeah, of them. But, yeah, prelim finals are really hard to win, aren't they? And this was probably one of the best examples of what sort of games prelims finals are and this was arguably gws's best chance i think at a flag uh the year after was also a a good one but and and people talk about 2019 but 
that was uh, that was also just a, a really good run, I think, by the Giants. I don't think they played their best home and away season. Um, but this was a big one. This I reckon this was probably the close. That, that was probably the most, uh, I guess, in odds, bookie odds, chance of winning a flag, maybe. And, yep, uh, yep. yeah, the dogs got it, and they're off to the grand final, and, uh, yeah, we know what happens next. Yeah, it was close the whole way through in that game. High intensity, relatively, well, good scoring as well, and Bulldogs, I think, were down in that yep. last quarter, and a couple of late plays. Um, I think it was McRae kicking the winning goal. Yeah, it was either McRae or Daniel. I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> I'm pretty I think sure it was might be right. I think Daniel but, kicked uh, one in, early in the quarter. Yeah. 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 So it was a six point win there. So one of the yeah tensest prelim finals you're ever likely to see. And just the amount of feeling in it for the Bulldog supporters trying to continue this run, this fairy tale run. It was amazing to watch this. They were just throwing themselves at every contest. And so were the Giants. They were desperate. And as you've alluded to, this is probably one of the best teams that they've had in their AFL history. So. They were just going at each other the yep, whole night. Yep, And uh, Clay Smith booted four, uh, which was his seventh goal of the final, well, seven in total of the final series. So they won their way through to the grand final here. Uh, from memory, Sydney had dispatched with Geelong in uh, the other prelim final. Yep. And, Very uh, well, too. Yeah, I guess Sydney was, Sydney was favourites going into this game, but I don't know, remember what... I think I remember what I was thinking, but... Were you thinking something similar, Johnny? The fact that, you know, Bulldogs were just sort of riding this wave of momentum and it just seemed like somehow they were going to find a way to win this. I, I have to agree. I mean, on paper, it seemed like the Swans, definitely. And, you know, talk of the town, oh, look, it'll be hard, but Sydney will, will probably get done. But I, I don't know. It, it felt it felt like they had everyone behind them and it felt like they gave them an edge. I mean, in a crazy way, it just felt like the public weren't going to let the dogs lose this in a way. Like, um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that, that, that was a great Sydney side, really. I mean, you know, back then they still had Gary Rowan. Luke Parker was probably at the top of his game. Josh Kennedy at the top of his game. Uh, they also had Tom Mitchell back then as well. <laughs> that's a hell of a midfield. Um, yeah, on paper, that's probably their best one of their best sides, I think, of that. I think it was. The I think so. that was definitely their best chance of a flag after 2012, uh, more so than the 2014 one, I reckon. And it probably hurt more than that as well um, to lose it. But, yeah, that, that, that was an amazing game. That was an amazing game, that one. It's a bit of a blur, actually. And it, ha- it had the signature moment right at the end there with Tom Boyd yeah. as well. Sydney bringing out defence. Uh, I'm not sure who was the tackler. Um, but uh, Franklin getting taken to ground when it looked like he was out. Uh, it might have been Dale Morris, I think. I think. Morris, yeah. Turned over, and uh, Boyd grabbed it at about 70 out, took a couple of steps and just roosted it and basically landed on the goal line and it bounced through. It was an oh. amazing play and what turned out to be a match winning What a play. game Tom Boyd played in that grand final. I mean, very close to Norm Smith medal, three goals. Uh, yeah, that was... Yeah, he would have been my pick for Norm Smith, I think, or at least very close. I They gave it to Johannesson, and 
you know, he racked up the possessions, but he didn't actually hit Not that really. many targets during, during the game. It was a really strange I, one, I thought, the fact that they gave it to yeah, him. Yeah, I remember at the time thinking Johannesson was definitely in with a shot at it because he was just he was providing some great run. It was some really good run. Uh, but I also... But, like, sorry, they would not... So they they just there's no way they would have won that game without Tom Brady. No, no what he no, did no. in the ruck for their structure when he went forward, they had no other player that no. could do what he did just because they were devoid of that type of player. And Tom Boyd much maligned, but he caught fire. He was very good in the prelim as well. So in these two games, he's repaid the Bulldogs for his crazy contract that he got coming over from GWS. That but, was definitely yeah, what a oh, story, that was yeah. definitely the player they were hoping they'd, they'd get. Um, but yeah, like I, I, you look back at it, that, those are the players that win the games, and I, it would have been nice to see him get it. I was actually really, I really liked Josh Kennedy's game. If the Swans won it, yeah, he, was he would have gotten it. Um, and honestly, yep. if it was close. I wouldn't have begrudged Josh Kennedy getting it in a losing side, but um, I would have rather Kennedy got it than Johannesson. Yeah, Johannesson <laughs> just seemed obvious from reading the stat sheet, uh, really. Um, yeah, too stat centric. He was good, but um, yeah, look, oh, I would have liked to have seen that too. Um, you know, Liam Pickin played a great game as well. You could have easily yeah, Pickin had some claims. Bulldogs, it was a fantastic team effort. And Sydney played very well yep. as well. But I guess they were just overwhelmed by the Bulldogs in that last quarter. And uh, there's some amazing plays. I remember one where the Bulldogs had it inside their 50. And Sydney had about, I don't know, five to seven chances to get it out. And it, they just the Bulldogs player just kept running them down. The ball would bounce out to another city player same thing they'd just get absolutely set upon and after about the seventh time the ball rolled to a bulldogs player instead and they kicked the goal it was just amazing yeah and that i think one of the apart from the tom boyd moment the, the liam Pickin moment uh with his goal in that last quarter um that's also etched in the memory as well i think um yeah, this is, for some reason, I, I remember a lot of this grand final, but for some reason, it's a bit of a blur as well. Like, it, it just, it went so fast. It, it really just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Buddy getting that rolled ankle early. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know why. It just seemed to, I, for some reason, I just remember other games going, like, you soak him in a bit more, like, um but, yeah. yeah, there was just there was so much happening. Like it was hard to take it all in. I think. Yeah, but geez, this is a great grand final, really. And uh, look, the the sad story obviously is Bob Murphy, and um, I've heard before in his open mic, um, he described it as the best day of his life and the worst day of his life at the same time. Uh, he was he also talked about the prelim the week before how he was getting that feeling of. Um, Oh, it's gonna happen, you know. That they're gonna. I think it's just before the sun. It's gonna. It's gonna. They're gonna do it without me. And I, I always like this. And this is. It's exactly the kind of person that Bob Murphy is. But when the siren went, he said he had that. Just that. It was a little bit of a sinking feeling for a second. And then I think Chris Grant, who was one of the coaches at the time, just came straight over to him. He was like, "We're there, Bob. We're there." And he just. He just. He got up straight away. He's like, "Oh yeah, awesome." Yeah. Yeah. And just the kind of guy he is. Um. And we all remember the moment when Luke Beveridge took the medal off and, and gave it to Bob. So, yeah, he was... Very oh, emotional. Yeah, yeah. It was such a good... Yeah, it, it, 
yeah, it was it was a really good premiership, and um, as we said, there were a lot of injuries going into that. There was a point during that season where it kind of felt like maybe not this year, maybe next year when they've got a lot of these guys back, um, they're gonna have another run at it. Um, yeah, but somehow they were they were able to do it. <laughs> yeah. We talk about how hard it is to win four finals in a row. They won four very good finals in a row. They were unbelievable <laughs> performances. Travelled twice. They were. Sec- only their second premiership, and obviously their first is in 1954, so a long time coming. So big ups to the Bulldogs for this one, and something that doesn't look likely to get repeated anytime soon, winning four knockout finals in a row and some absolutely belting games in here. I think especially the prelim and the grand final, but that semi against Hawthorne was also a very interesting game. So just really quickly to cover off on some of the other contenders, I think we agreed that this is true, most unlikely flag in the AFL area. But some of the other ones that were sort of contending for this, I think Richmond in 2017, sort of coming from nowhere, halfway through that season, getting on a huge roll, um, knocking Geelong off in the first final and, yeah, not really looking back after that. And uh, Swans in 2005, I know they finished third, but uh, that was to break the 72-year drought, so that was another uh, sort of fairy tale story there. And uh, I guess Brisbane in 2001 as well, just from how low, uh, I guess it was the Brisbane Bears in the early 90s had been and, steadily building a team but for years and years they were just getting absolutely smashed and uh yeah some of those players that were getting smashed in those teams did end up reaping the rewards of uh some of these premierships as well so yeah some interesting stories with, there with the well. lions in 2001 that was also really surprising because that season wasn't really going that well for them i remember i think they got absolutely smashed out at princess park against carlton uh, I think it was up to Sable back then. And uh, it was, yeah, it, it wasn't looking good for them at all. And then they went on this massive winning streak and um, it carried into the finals and they kind of just did the smash and grab in the grand finals. So, yeah, it, it didn't look like it was going to happen at one point. It, it, yeah. Um, and just touching on the 2017 Richmond, uh, you mentioned that first final against Geelong. I was actually at that one. And... Uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen t- too many atmospheres like that before. Um, yeah. What was it, about 80% Richmond yes, supporters? <laughs> yes, it was, and it was loud. It was really loud. They were just so full of energy. Every, like, holding the balls were like goals. Like, that was that kind of celebration. It was just, uh, just yeah, going yeah. on and on. And Yeah, that, <laughs> Geelong were never going to win. From memory, they... They kicked so many points, and it just took them so long to break Geelong. But I think from memory, was it late in the third or early in the fourth where they finally kicked yeah. a few goals in a row and just completely broke Geelong? Pretty much, backs. yeah. And uh, they just gave them absolutely nothing yeah. that whole game. So it much was the pressure. Typical and, Richmond. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's that would be kind of one of those signature games you'd look back at as like kind of the making of Richmond. Oh yeah, that was an amazing yeah, performance. Definitely. definitely. Um, yeah. It was an interesting, very interesting night, that one. All right, Johnny, we've probably gone a little bit long for our weekend episode, but, uh, yeah, we're full-on reminiscing there about 2016, one of the great uh, AFL years, I suppose. So 
Thanks for jumping on live yep, for chat. Not bad. Might actually have to watch that one again. I forgot how good it was. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, enjoy the footy, guys. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.